and we're in the book of Acts, which is all about living in victory. Thank you. Living in victory no matter what we face, right? No matter what's going on in our life, and we do it through faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's power. There, there we go. Awesome. Faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit's power, and that's what we're focusing on. And the title, we're going to be Acts 14, 1 through 20 today. And the title is When God Calls Us to Get Stoned. It's not what you're thinking. It's not what you're thinking. Uh, When God calls us to do something really hard or painful, go through something painful, and stones are involved. So I I did the pun, obviously. Uh, So we're going to see today in Acts that the mission trip, trip, the first mission trip we took, remember Paul and Barnabas, gets really rough. It gets really scary. And uh, Brian was telling me what's going on in Peru. Where's Brian? Brian, come on up here. Brian was telling me what's going on in Peru with our mission trip, what just happened in Peru. So I asked him to start us off with a couple minutes of that story to get us into this, our story, okay? All right, so good morning. Um, yeah, as a continuation of last week, um, we have a missionary pastor, Peruvian pastor in Peru who's delivering Bibles, and he did a recent trip up into a very remote area of Peru, northern part of Peru, up near Ecuador, and um, we can put the first picture up with him in the, in the boat. He got there at about 3 o'clock, which is too late for the uh, general boat service upriver. Every boat leaves by 2 o'clock because of the time. It takes three to four hours to get up there. And they want to get there before dark. So, But he got there at 3. He was able to rent a boat. Um, a private uh, guy was able to um, rent him this boat and, and get upriver. And it was just, it's an answer to prayer because of God's protection on his life. Soon after he left, uh, narco-terrorists, you can go to the next picture, narco-terrorists took over the town and they ambushed the police, they burned two of their trucks, they stole their weapons, and, um, and he didn't know it until he got back. The next day, he got back to the same port and he now found 60 police in town who had taken over, this, over the town, and they were looking for these narco-terrorists. Um, so he just thanks the Lord that he felt motivated and um, got impressed upon his heart to leave when he did. He could have stayed in the town. He got there late. Every other boat had left, but God provided transportation for him, and he got up to where he was going. To, um, to He knew the church and the pastors were waiting for him for these Bibles and for the service that he was to hold on uh, that night. It was a Sunday night, but uh, moments after he left was when these, um, these terrorists came in and, and ambushed the police. So thank you for praying for him. And Brian is signing up for the mission trip, whoever wants to go with him after the service. <laughs> that, that is a perfect introduction. Uh, the song that you guys were singing, Follow You, perfect. And then what Brian just shared, perfect. This, that's really what this whole passage is about today. Wait till we see what happens in the book of Acts in Acts 14. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for protecting our, our missionary there in Peru and leading him. And, and just the same way that you lead us, Lord. You're constantly leading us. I pray that we would really be in close communion with you so that we know what the Holy Spirit's telling us to do wherever he wants us to go. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, let's pick it up here. We're in Acts 14, and I'm going to start with the first seven verses. 
Um, this is a wild one. At Iconium, now remember, Paul is, is being hunted from city to city, right? And they're going to threaten to stone him. He escapes from Antioch, uh, Poseidon. Uh, then he goes from there to, um, got a mental block, Antioch, Iconium. Iconium, and that's where we are. Uh, Iconium uh, is where we are now. Okay, so, all right. Uh, at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, other with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to, Lyconi, to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. So we see here the Jewish, Gent, Jewish and Gentile converts here, lots of them, Jewish and Gentile converts, but that makes the Jewish leaders, right? whenever you see the Jews against them, that's the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders get uh, upset about that, verse 2, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So we see that that's what happened. The, 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 the Gentile, <clears throat> we keep talking about Gentile converts, but this time it's Gentile and Jewish converts and jealous Jews, the Jewish leaders. So because of this opposition, <clears throat> because they were spreading this poison and, and toxic, you know, uh, they were being toxic and poison and cancerous against the gospel. Because of that, in verse 3, we see what happened. Paul and Barnabas, instead of leaving because it was getting so toxic and so negative, instead of leaving, we see that they spent, they said, so Paul and Barnabas, verse 3, spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. And as, as a result, because of that, they, they spent extra time there. Why did they do that? Because they knew they were going to be under pressure. Because they knew they were going to face persecution. Because they, they needed to be grounded. They grounded the new believers. And this is very, very important. They didn't rush off, but they discipled them. And this is important. If you lead someone to Christ, if you get the, the opportunity, the great privilege to tell someone how to put their faith in Jesus, how to say, God, I, I repent of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you've ever had that experience, it's awesome. But it, it, it's, it's a new birth. The Bible calls it being born again. And if that happens, what do you do when, you ha when you're there with a new baby? Say you get the privilege of delivering a new baby. What do you do? Just leave it there? Walk away? Some people do tragic stories, right? But no, you've got to take care of that baby. You've got to change the diapers. You've got to feed them. You've got to deal with a lot of crying. And that's what happens with a new believer. You have to be there for that new believer and disciple, disciple them and, and change a lot of diapers and, and help them through a lot, of, a lot of struggles. That's very, very important, okay? And so that's what they did. Uh, and, and especially if you lead someone to Christ who's a uh, is going to face pressure. Maybe they have family pressures. Maybe they're going to be attacked for their faith. Maybe they're going to go through a lot. They're, they're going to be pressured because of the new faith. If that's the case, it's very even more important that you spend extra time with that person. Very, very important. And so that's why they stayed there, because they knew they were going to face persecution. And God confirmed the message of his grace. They stayed there, confirmed the message of his grace by how? 
through miracles. And that's the purpose of miracles. Miracles uh, are not to wow people. They're to confirm. They, 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 they back up God's word. The word is what saves. Verse 3. The word is what saves, right? Uh, but but that's the, the miracles confirm the word. They back up God's word. But it finally gets too hot. <clears throat> and in verses 5 to 7, there was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. Every time you see the word stone here in this chapter, circle it. All right? We're going to see a lot of that. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. So they ran for their lives. They took off. They ran for their lives. But this was really more of positive Persecution, positive persecution. God uses the persecution to keep spreading the gospel, taking it to new places. There's believers now. They're there. They're going to be able to witness the people there. But he sends Paul and Barnabas on using persecution. But Paul and Barnabas are not running away because they're afraid. Wait till you see what happens next in in the book of Acts. They're not running away. The Holy Spirit was leading them to leave at this time. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit is using this to, to spread the gospel. This, they're not afraid. And then we're going to come back to we're going to, I'm going to pull all this together in a little bit. So let's uh, just to show you now, verse 8, let's w- see what happens in Lystra and Derby. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Wow. When the crowd saw that Paul saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates, because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food to eat and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to him to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Wow. What a what a story. So they, they start out by healing this lame man, right? They heal the lame man. They're called gods. They call them specifically Zeus and Hermes. It was very common at that time to, to equate humans that accomplished something great. They would see divinity in them, like Hercules was a real guy, but they ended up making a god out of him. We see the same thing, football player. You know, they, they you know Tom Brady is God or something like that, you know? Not anymore. He's retired. But anyway... Uh, <clears throat> 
But Zeus was the main god of this city. He was the main god here, and he had a temple there. And Hermes, uh, also known as Mercury, right? that's another name for him, was the messenger god. And that's why they called Paul the messenger god, because he was doing all the preaching. Right? That was his job. It was his calling. And there was a legend from this region. There was a legend from this region historically. We know that, that the, the legend was that Zeus and Hermes had visited this region, and nobody recognized them. The only one who recognized them was this old couple. Some of you probably remember that from you know, the, the legend. And and this old couple recognized them. They were the only ones who recognized the gods that came in. And so they were determined, this area was on high alert and determined not to miss the next time Zeus showed up, you know, not to miss Hermes the next time. So they were, they were, that's why there was this, this excitement when they were there. But Paul and Barnabas, as we saw, as we just read, they tried to stop the worship. They tried to stop the sacrifice. They tried to stop people from seeing them as gods, unlike celebrities of today. <laughs> who welcomed the worship, right? They tried to stop being worshipped, right? And they tried to tell them about the one true God. Verse 15, men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. He, they're, they're trying to te- tell them about, they're saying these idols and these Zeuses and these, you know, you know they're, they're worthless, Worship the one true God. And then they give proof that this one true God exists in verse 16 and 17. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And this is talking about revelation, but what... Uh, oh, it's proof that God exists, proof that God exists, but it's, it's talking about revelation. But what do we call this type of revelation? This is the Bible, and this is divine revelation. It's right from God. But what happens when we see something like that in nature? We call that natural revelation. Natural revelation is all over the Bible. It's how God speaks to everybody, calling to everybody. Uh, the, the, the general revelation, that general revelation that everybody can get. In fact, in Psalm 19, 1 to 4, David, speaking through the Holy Spirit, says, the, 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 uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth knowledge. Night after... I gotta look at it. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Saying every night when you look out, or every day when you look up and you see the sun, every night you see the moon and the stars, they're constantly saying, There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. And this was at a time when you looked up in the sky and you could see millions of stars before the light pollution. I remember as a kid, beyond the farm, could see the Milky Way. It was unbelievable before the lights and everything. It was just unbelievable. It was staggering. It's mesmerizing. It's powerful. And that is what God has given us. And then you go out in the morning and there's the sun. That, that is God saying there, that, that he's there. That's general revelation for, for everybody. And then Romans 1, 19 through 20, talks about this very thing where, 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 where he says in verse 19, 
since what may be known about God is plain to them. Talking about to every human being is plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. God's power... God's power is plain. His invisible qualities, eternal power, divine nature are easily seen by anybody. Come on. Look at the human body. Look at a baby. Look at anything. It's impossible to think it was a bang. It was impossible to believe that we evolved from, you know, organisms in the ocean somehow. It's impossible. we, We can't look at nature without seeing God's power. And seeing his divine nature, that is God's, that is general revelation that we see here. God is constantly proving his existence and reaching out to us. And this is what Paul is saying. He's proving his existence and reaching out to us constantly. Everywhere that you look, it's impossible to miss it. And so, so they were trying to convince, Paul and Barnabas are trying to convince them that they aren't gods, but there is a one true God. But they probably wish they hadn't convinced them because look what happens next. <laughs> they probably wish they hadn't tried to talk them out of it. Because in verse 19, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him out city, outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, I'm sorry, but after the, yeah, gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Un- unbelievable. Uh, you talk about fleeting fl- fame, you know. Fame is fleeting, right? Uh, you know, one minute you're, you're gods, and the next minute you're going to be stoned, you know. It's Super Bowl coming up, don't we see the same thing? One, one minute somebody's this big hero, even the first half, they're a big hero, and by the end of the game, they throw an interception, lose it. They're, the, they're, they're tomorrow's goat, not the greatest of all time, but the bad goat, right? Uh, and, and it's that, that, that is, you, we see that sports right but we see that in life today's hero is tomorrow's goat the bad goat and so the posse catches up they come all the way from antioch Pisidian. that's where they were first chased out remember and then they they stone paul they're so mad they that they they stone him in the city now uh the the rule was you had to take someone outside the city to stone them that was the rule in biblical times. You see it all throughout. They had to take them outside the city. Uh, stones were used to enforce the law. You see that in the Old Testament, right? Stonings. We saw that in Joshua. We saw that, in, in, we saw that all throughout the Old Testament, the stones. It's all over the, 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 the biblical world. They were used to enforce the law of the land. All right, not just the biblical law, but the law of the land. They would chase people away with stones. They would kill people with stones. Paul went through this lots and lots and lots. He uh, had to deal with with stones all the time. Uh, I can relate. Growing up on a farm, I can relate to using stones. We threw lots of stones, lots of stones. Uh, There's stones all over the place, and we would just be constantly throwing stones at everything, including the cows. We learned to control the cows, just like they're controlling these guys here and keeping... We would control the cows with stones. Uh, little little stones. We didn't throw the big ones. We couldn't. But, uh, but the, like, we had to go get the cows, and the cows wouldn't want to come up into the barn, and we didn't want to chase them out into the pasture, so we would throw stones at them, and, and we'd hit them, and, and don't worry, they're, they're very 
Cows have tough hides, you know, that's where you get leather from, you know, raw hide, you know. They, got, they, they felt it, but it didn't hurt them, but they felt it. And so you'd hit them, and they'd go running up to the barn, which is where we wanted to go. And if they started heading out the wrong way, we'd throw, we'd hit them in the head sometimes. But anyway, we'd hit them, and we'd get them to go back into the barn, all right? And that's how we controlled the, the cows. Uh, we, would, we would do that. We'd, we'd, you, you'd, there'd be a bunch of cows, and they'd be kind of like, well, should we go to the pasture or the barn? And we'd be calling them. I'll do it for you. Come, boss. Come, boss. Come, boss. We call them, and, and they would know to come. Some would come, but some would be stubborn. They wouldn't come. We'd be, like, whipping the, you know, the stones, and they would jump, and yeehaw, you know, just like the, the Westerns, right? We would, and then we learned that we didn't have to throw stones. When we got a little older, we, we got BB guns. And uh, we would, we would, we would, we realized we didn't have to chase it. This is a lot more fun, believe me, than throwing a stone. We would sh- shoot them in the, the butts with the BB guns, you know, and they were all running up there and stuff. And, and I remember my dad saying, uh, you know, we, we were having a great time doing it. We didn't think it was a big deal. They got tough hides. But my dad said, uh, did, were you shooting the cows with the BB guns? And I'm like, not me. You know, know, Billy, not me. No, no, not me. Because I'm finding BBs stuck in their, you know, their hides, and I'm having to use my jackknife to pry them out. You know, they weren't bleeding, but they were just stuck at them, you know. And he, he goes, I hope you guys aren't shooting them with BB guns. Not me, not me. But we, we got the point. We stopped doing that, right? Because my dad had a rule. He had a rule. We, could, we, we couldn't use BB guns, but we could use stones. That was the rule. We could use stones to get the cows. He could throw My dad could throw really accurately, too. Uh, Billy was the best. He was the best stone thrower. Uh, but but the, <clears throat> he had rules on how we could throw these stones. And they had the same thing in biblical times. All the whole world, they had the same thing. They had these rules on stones. You could stone people. It was okay to stone people. It was okay to kill them, but you weren't allowed to kill them inside the city. Why would that be a rule? It's messy. <laughs> Someone's going to have to drag that body. You know, you see the deer hit along the road. Nobody wants to pick that deer up, right? Uh, unless it just got hit. Where I came from, everybody fought for those deer, right? Uh, you know, we, they would take them home and eat them. But, but anyway, but we're in a different culture here. But guys, they're good, right? If you just get hit, they're perfect. Yeah, they're good, good, good. Year-round venison. And, uh, but, but nobody wanted to deal with the body, and the blood on the streets, they didn't have street cleaners, they didn't have, you know, what we have today, so it was messy. So they had the rule, you had to take them outside to stone them. So why was Paul stoned inside the city? Why? Because they were out of control, the mob was crazy. Could you imagine a mob getting out of control and doing that? Shocking, right? Shocking. All right? And that's what happened. They were out of control. They were so angry. They were so mad. They just went from gods to the mob was going to just freaked out, wants to destroy him. It, it's, it's crazy, out of control. This is, not, this, this is something that happens to Christians a lot all over the world today. The Great Awakening. So many people know about the Great Awakening with Whitfield and Wesley and what, how exciting that was. And we, we always read the books about the, the Great Awakening, right? Great Awakening. Oh, wouldn't it be great to have a Great Awakening? Did you know there was constant riots during the Great Awakening? Constant. Whitfield was, had death threats all the time. His, his team of people, they were crippled and maimed by the rioting crowds. Whitfield was stoned almost to death one time. They thought he was going to die. 
That's what the Great Awakening was like. We all want revival, right? Who wants revival? Whoa, we all want revival. Revivals come with riots. Revivals come with riots because people don't want to hear the gospel. The, the, there's, the, a lot of people do want to hear the gospel. But the ones who hate the gospel, they, they, they riot. And that's exactly what happened here. And they, they were so furious and so angry. But Paul has a miraculous recovery. <laughs> They're gathering around and doing the eulogy. He was a... I can't say he was a good guy. He kind of had a bad temper, you know, Barnabas. <laughs> you know, he got rid of John Mark, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, but, he, but, yeah, but he, he was an effective apostle for Christ. And all of a sudden, they're giving this eulogy, standing around, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, who's going to bury him. And he gets up. It's like a, one of these horror movies, you know. He's alive. He gets back up. Not only does he get up, but what does he do next? goes right back into the city crazy right right back in that's proof that he wasn't afraid the other times he never was afraid he was just following god's leading the holy spirit's leading at them he goes right back in the city it's crazy remember i told you the story about uh driving in the bridgeport on mischief night remember i told that not too long ago and how they they were throwing their bottles and attacking the church van that i was driving and eggs and and it was just crazy and and the policemen did nothing about it they just looked at me like well if you're dumb enough to stop remember the stop i stopped at a stoplight and they just attacked the van they said if you're dumb enough to stop you deserve it they didn't do anything didn't help me so i just i just zoomed down there it was like broke broken glass looked like looked like ice on the street there's so much broken glass it was crazy and i never forget i i thought i was gonna i thought that was scary i get home and I went right into my right into my office, and I got out the calendar, and I and I wrote for the next year. Do not go pick up the kids on mischief night. Don't drive into Bridgeport on mischief. Never do that again. I made a big note of it, or find someone else who's dumb enough to do it for me. But anyway, but I, I made a note. I'm not going down there again on mischief night. But Paul does just the opposite. He goes right back. If you get in the van and going right back in again, he, he goes right back in the city. It, it's crazy. Was he, was, he, was he crazy? No. The Holy Spirit was leading him. Just like he was led to leave Antioch, Pisidian, and left to leave, led by the Holy Spirit to leave Iconium, he left because they were going to stone him both places. But here, he goes right back into the city. After he was stoned, he stayed for his stoning, and he goes right back in again. The Holy Spirit is leading him each step of the way. We're going to apply. You can, I think you're starting, the wheels are turning. We're starting to get the point here. The Holy Spirit leads us to do different things at different times, right? And, and he also knew. Why else did he go in? He knew that he, he couldn't die until it was God's time. Until it's God's time. Paul knew that. Until it's God's time for us to die, we can't die. And if he wants us to die, we can't live. If it's his time, it's his time for us. Teach us to number our days the right that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We, that, that is God's time. That's why we, Paul had no fear. Well, I'm sure he didn't like the rocks, but he had no fear. And we should have no fear of dying. Uh, we, we shouldn't be afraid of crime. There's rising crime everywhere. It's horrible, right? But, but we shouldn't be afraid because we can't die 
until it's God's time. We, there's terrorism. Everybody's afraid of terrorism, you know, and, and the war. There could be war any time. But we don't have to be afraid. We should not be afraid. How many times did Jesus say, do not be afraid? Fear not. Right? Told the dumb disciples how many times. What are you afraid of? Fear not, you know. Uh, you have little faith. And that's what it is. When we're afraid of dying, we have little faith. We have little faith because you have to choose faith or fear. And that includes COVID. I'm so tired of Christians being terrified of COVID. I'm not saying we should go out and try to get it and be you know, uh, you know, arrogant about it or, or irresponsible. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Christians that, that are uh, terrified by it, that they've stopped living life because of it. And I know a lot of Christians that no longer live life. They, they, they are not living life anymore. It's a living death is what they're living because they don't, we, we do, I, and I say to people, I challenge people, don't we believe that God determines when we die? Don't we believe that? And don't we believe that we're going somewhere better? Don't we? I mean, do we believe that or not? And if we believe that, yeah, we should be careful. You know, we shouldn't try to walk out in the road and get hit by a car. We shouldn't, you know, you know, jump out of an airplane without a parachute. You know, we shouldn't be foolish. We shouldn't be irresponsible. But we should not be afraid. If we're afraid, then we aren't living by faith. It's time for Christians to stop living in fear of COVID and everything else. The world lives in fear. We live by faith. Faith. I bet you're going to be afraid to tell me you're nervous about that. Anyway, anyway. Listen, Paul was not afraid. Barnabas, they weren't afraid. Do you need more proof that they weren't afraid? That when they left those other places, they they didn't leave it because they were afraid of being stoned. Not only did them going back into the city and get, you know, prove that, but look what they do next in verse 21. In verse 21, look what it says here. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Now, we're going to deal with that next time, a couple weeks from now. They went back to the very places that they ran from, the stones in. They went right back to those. They went back into these very places. You see, you see Paul, it just shows he wasn't, he wasn't afraid. You see, Paul was not a cow. Cows, hit them with a stone, boom, they just take off. They just panic. They just run. Paul was not a cow. Paul was like my pony bullet. I'm going to get more mileage out of bullet one more time here. You know how he would knock me off and, and then go eat the corn, and he'd knock me off again and go eat the corn. And, and I, when I caught up with a bullet, I was mad. And I would get a stone, usually, and I'd throw it, and it hit him in the butt. And sometimes he would run. Just a little bit. He'd run around the other side of the corn crib and keep eating. Sometimes he would run and come right back again. And I'd hit him again with another stone. Uh, or he would, often, more often than that, he would just keep eating corn. i just hit him in the butt with a rock. He'd, he'd just keep eating corn. Why didn't he run? Why? Because the corn was worth it to him. The corn was worth, worth the rocks. The corn was worth the pain in the butt. 
It was worth it because he was so focused on that corn. And, and are we like Bullet the Pony or are we a cow? Are we a cow running away? Cows just run. But ponies, I'm convinced, pray about it and count the cost. <laughs> we need to be like Bullet the Pony. We have a goal. We have a job. It's not eating corn. It's sharing the gospel, right? It's living out the gospel. It's fulfilling our purpose. We have, and, and, and sometimes when we're in this process, sometimes God uses stones to move us. Remember, he, moved them, he uses stones to move us. It's time to go. <laughs> Here comes the stoning. It's time to go. Other times, he leads us to stay in spite of the stones and to take it. Paul stayed and took the stoning. Ran, 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 stayed, took the stoning, went right back in, went back to those places. You see, you get my point? It, it, he, sometimes we're led to take it. God led Paul to take the stoning, to take the beating, to take the shipwreck, to take the snake biting him. Sometimes we're called to take it. And that's why I put the title, When God Calls Us to Get Stoned. To get stoned. No one can tell us the right thing to do. Only the Holy Spirit. Now we get godly advice. We have the word. We have godly advice. We definitely need to get godly advice. But no one can really tell us. Only the Holy Spirit. Only he can show us if we're to go or to stay. Where the stones are flying. Only he can show us that. Uh, Pastors. I'm a pastor. Should I stay in this church? Or should I go to another church? Because of all the, the, the stones flying around. Only God could show a pastor that. If we're being persecuted. If we're under persecution. And it's coming. It is coming. We know that. Only God can show us. Only God can show us if we should stay in a certain job that's really getting rough. Or in a school that's getting you know bad. Or on a team that is really difficult. Only God can show us. Only God can show us if we should stay in a marriage. You know, I, we talk Talk to people in merit, really tough marriages and, and even people who have grounds to leave. But only God can show them if they should go or if they could, should stay. No one can tell them. We can't judge someone who leaves that marriage and we can't judge someone who stays in it. I'm talking about some of those biblical reasons, not that, that they don't like being in it anymore. I'm talking about biblical reasons, unfaithfulness, uh, that kind of thing. Only God can show us if we, you know, persecution is coming. Our country is falling apart at the seams. Only God can show us if we should stay here or we should move to another state. Lots of people said, should I move to Tennessee? Should I move to Florida? Should I move to, you know, you know North Dakota? You know, and we've all discussed it and wrestled with it or praying about it. But only God can show us if we should do that, what, what, what we should do. Only God can, can show us that. It's crazy times. I know a lot of people are wrestling with where should we be right now. But sometimes, even when it is rough, even when the stones are flying, the Holy Spirit leads us to stay somewhere for a purpose. Just like verses 2 and 3, what we saw before with Paul and Barnabas. But the, uh, so Paul and Barnabas spent, verse 3, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. They stayed longer because of the stones. And sometimes God leads us. God may lead us to stay in a toxic environment, a hostile environment, longer so that we can help people, so we can share the gospel, so we can uh, you know, make an impact where we are. New Hope, you know, many times I've like, God, can't I just leave New Hope? You know, I just, can't I get out of here? You know, many, many times I've had that discussion with God because you know it's not a it's not exactly the Bible Belt, is it? All right, uh, and 
and, and it's 20 years ahead of the rest of the country. It's stuff that is happening all over the country. We were dealing with it 20 years ago, right? It, it, it's that kind of place. Uh, but where would, where would the remnant be here in New Hope if I just bailed out? Or if we all just bailed out, right? Uh, where would it be? And so I, I, so, uh, so I prayed about it and stayed, just like many of you have prayed about it and stayed, even though there are other places we would have rather have been, right? Uh, and, and, and now struggling with what to do with my kids in the school because we've had 11 kids go through the school, but now we've got three more to go. And the school is starting to cross lines that, that are really, really dangerous lines. I, I feel like they've crossed the line. We're struggling what to do with the kids. Should we put them in, do homeschooling? Should we do them in Christian school? Should we leave them in and, and let them fight, with the, fight the stones? We're really praying about the Holy Spirit's leading them on what to do with the kids. But that's the, the key. We constantly have to be praying and seeking what God wants us to do. But the key is staying in close communion with Jesus Christ. Close communion so that we can hear the Holy Spirit's leading on what to do. That's what communion is all about. It's about reconnecting. We, we, we're going to celebrate communion here in a moment. It's about reconnecting and staying connected, staying close to God, being in a place where we can hear from the Holy Spirit on whatever we're dealing with in our life. And I've just named a few things. I'm sure you all have many different things we can apply to this, right? Many, many different things. And, and when we take communion, we're remembering the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that he gave for us. We're remembering that. But it's also a time to confess. Paul, you know, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, confessing our sins, cleansing ourselves of anything that's blocking our communion. When we sin, we can't hear from God. The Holy Spirit's grieved. The Holy Spirit is quenched. You know, and we can't hear from the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's so important to, to get sin out of the way so that we can be close with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, can, we can hear what he's trying to tell us. They're very, very important. And, and how we, so we have this time of communion to confess anything that's blocking our closeness, our intimacy, our communion with God. How do we take it? Uh, we already made the cups available. There's no pressure to take it. If you don't feel like you're ready to take it today, there's no problem. Nobody judgments, no videotaping. We don't record it. It's totally between you and God. It's okay. You can just stay here and pray. It's no problem. But how we take it is we just, we, Todd, in a few moments after I pray, he'll lead us in some worship and a prayer time. And, and when you're ready, you just take the, the cup and you take the wafer and the, and the, the juice there. We do it different now because of the COVID, obviously. The reason why we shouldn't take it, two reasons. One is we're not a Christian yet. We're not ready to put our faith in Jesus. Don't take it yet. Just wait. All right? And it's okay. The second reason is if there's a sin in our life that we won't confess. The Holy Spirit's convicting us of something. We're like, God, you can't have it. I'm keeping this one. Uh-uh. Keeping the door closed. Don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. Very, very serious. But I, but I hope and I pray that you would confess it today. Don't have to be perfect, but we're willing to say, God, you can have it. I confess it. I ask you to forgive me. Help me to fight this battle. And, and, and also, maybe you're ready to put your faith in Jesus today. This is the day that you do put your faith in Jesus. You give your life to him. That's the day. Because... If you're not a Christian today, that, that, this can be the day you put your faith in Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
This could be the day that you believe in Jesus Christ. The word there, believe, doesn't mean in the head. In the Greek, it's, a, it's the heart. It's a total commitment. It's a giving your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, putting your trust in him, turning away from the sin in the world and the lies and the garbage and following Jesus Christ. If you're ready to do that, then you're ready to commune with him. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us right now? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. If you're listening to this or you're watching this or you're here right now, and this is the day, the day of salvation. You're ready to put your faith in Jesus. You're ready to ask for forgiveness and and turn away from sin and turn away from the garbage and the shame and pray the simple prayer of faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The simple prayer of faith. God, I believe Jesus died for me on that cross. For my sin. For my shame. And I don't want that sin anymore. I repent. I turn to Jesus. For forgiveness. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you have put your faith in Jesus, At this very moment, the Holy Spirit is inside of you forever. And you can now commune. You can now connect with God the Father any time. Anywhere, anytime, for anything. And as you take communion today, that's a reminder of that very fact. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've prayed that prayer of faith, you've given your life to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to tell somebody so that, so that we can be excited for you and, and encourage you and help you grow. You're a baby Christian now, and we, so we're going to look out for you. If you don't have anybody to tell, then tell me on the way out or fill out the card in the, the, in the back table or in the bulletin and stick it in the box or tell somebody. Maybe you have a family or friends here. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning? What's blocking our communion, our intimacy, our relationship, our fellowship with Jesus?
Let's confess it and repent of it and leave it at the cross. What would we trade for intimacy with God? And maybe the Holy Spirit has been leading us to leave a difficult situation or leading us to stay in a difficult situation. And only the Holy Spirit can show us this. During this time of communion, we could pray, God, whatever you tell me, please just make it clear what I should do or don't do. Let me fulfill your purpose for my life. In Jesus.